Welcome to Conversations from the Edge with Service Logic, your educational podcast where we discuss the ins and outs of the HVAC and mechanical service industry. Find out how we can help you increase efficiency and how we deliver excellent service in the real world. Welcome to Conversations from the Edge, a Service Logic podcast. I'm your host, Sean Heath. I talk a lot. You may have noticed that. Uh, my grandmother always liked to joke that I got all of my childhood vaccinations with a record needle. One of the things my grandmother taught me was communication is the most important thing you can ever learn how to do. As I've gotten older and worked through my career, you know what? She was right. Communication never changes. The only thing that changes is the method we use to communicate to people. Well, my guest on the podcast today, she's all about communication. It's kind of the thing she does every day, all day, and I get to have a chance to communicate with her a little bit today. I'm talking about Elizabeth Barber. She's the service manager for Service Logic Strategic Services. Elizabeth, how are you today? I am very well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm really excited to have a chance to talk to you. Basically, communication is the actual cornerstone of what you do. It truly is. I always like to say that um, my job is not really related to HVAC. My job is communication. If I communicate properly to the right people, at the end of the day, the HVAC work gets done. I think there's a very dangerous line in allowing technology to become a substitute for face-to-face engagement. And you're very aware of not allowing that to happen. I really do make an effort at that. And you are correct. Technology really does permeate the entire HVAC industry today. And since it's an invisible piece of infrastructure, people don't really think about it. But all the way from the way we do our agreements and contracts right down to the technicians that are working in the field with their mobile devices, sending information back in real time, capturing video and photos of what they're seeing, where they're at. Um, Technology does permeate everything that we do. However, at the end of the day, you are communicating what's happening to people. So language is still important and getting them to take something that's very perhaps technical and not part of their daily vernacular and explaining that to them in a way in which they can make decisions on their business is key. And that's part of what I do in communicating with people. We take the data that's coming from the field and turn it into actionable information for our customers. And we do that communicating in written word, through phone, through email, and face-to-face meetings. I'm not really someone who engages in the, well, back in my day, I don't I don't really do that. I, I like new technology. I like new uh, mechanics and metrics, and I'm sort of a a gizmo nerd. And I really like these new protocols and new ways we have to increase the way we communicate with other people. But I'm always very aware of the fact that, especially, for example, with my daughter, text messaging, that's pretty much it. She, If you call her on her cell phone, she's not going to answer it. She's 17. But she'll respond to a text message. And I I understand that's the way she communicates, and I understand the the language that she speaks, and I know the vocabulary that she has, and I'm able to effectively communicate with her across distances. But I'm not a huge fan of texting as a primary mode of communication. Is there a mode of communication that you would be really okay with if we didn't use anymore? I think there's a place for every mode of communication. Um, I think 
text messaging offers a speed um, that is immensely valuable. Email has become our mode of communication of record. You know, that's where um, you communicate things that need to be recorded and referred to in the future. But especially in the case of your daughter, when you have something really important to say, you don't text it. You open the door to her bedroom and you speak to her face to face because it's something really critical that you need to know that she has um, understood from you. And that's no different here when we've got something that is really critical to communicate at that time. You are going to go see somebody face to face. Those communication methods that you use and uh, the way you manage the information flow really helps build a stronger business relationship. And I love that phrase, business relationship, because it is two completely separate things that blend together really well when approached properly. You have been quoted as saying that the period of ownership is much longer than the period of purchase. Can you explain that to me? I wish I could take credit for that brilliant bit of wisdom, but I have to give that to Jeffrey Gittimer. Um, it was one of the things that I learned from him while I had the opportunity to work uh, with him. And it, it really, truly is true. Uh, the event of a purchase, say you go out and buy a new car, you're going to spend, well, almost all day, but just one day at a car dealership purchasing your vehicle. But you're going to own that car for six years. So your relationship with that dealer the relationship you have with the service department of that dealership is far more important to you and how you own that car than the relationship you had with the person that actually sold it to you. So that's how I try to approach my communications with our customers here at ServiceLogic is I'm investing in that ownership period, not just the purchase period. There's a, a tendency from some companies, not service logic, but some companies, you overpromise at the beginning. It's the honeymoon period, and then you settle down into a little lower level of excitement post-purchase, and you set a baseline for the for the ownership period. That's not the way that I have seen it happen at Service Logic, though. You set a really high bar with the initial introduction, and then I don't know how you do it, but you find an extra gear and you go up even another step during the ownership process. That's a really difficult thing to do because that requires an immense amount of energy and effort to maintain that high bar. But I guess it's just like any muscle. If you do it long enough, it just becomes second nature. We really want to be more than just a service provider to our customers. We really want to grow our relationship to the point of being an advisor to them, to being able to understand their business and be able to provide a value over and above simply maintaining or replacing their HVAC equipment. We want to be part of their conversation as they look at their entire business operation and help them plan um, their capital expenditures and things like that. So we become part of their future as well as part of their presence. We're, we are investing in the long term. I have a tendency to be conscious of what clothing I'm wearing when I go into a store. I, I really, I mean, I like answering people's questions, but I, it bothers me when people think I work someplace when I don't, when I'm just trying to run in and buy some milk or something. And you have quite a bit of experience with that out of high school, you joined the Navy. Will you please tell the story about your dress uniforms? Because that cracks me up. 
It was great. It was the best decision I ever made in my life. It led me to many of the great things that came after that. So yes, straight out of high school, I followed my father's footsteps and I joined the United States Navy. As a member of the Navy, you're issued dress uniforms. We have dress blues and dress whites, and everybody is familiar with the male version of those uniforms, which are the famous Cracker Jacks. Back in those days, the women did not wear Cracker Jacks as they do today. We had dress uniforms, and in the winter, we all looked like flight attendants, and in the summer, when we were wearing our dress whites, we all looked like nurses. So many times when I traveled, particularly in the winter through the airports, I would be mistaken for a flight attendant, and I would be asked all kinds of questions as I was walking through an airport or walking onto the plane. And I would always try to stop and help people. I would not just say, well, that's not my job. I don't work here. I'm actually in the military. I would try to figure out what the answer to their question was because I was just very curious. And that led me to some great conversations, met some interesting people, and learned a lot along the way. And I think that also led me to be to one of those crazy people as I was a parent. And, you know, you have your kids, they go through school and you have to do all these volunteer hours as a parent. And nobody ever liked working the concession stand. I always loved working the concession stand. So I would always sign up for that and work the football games and serve people and greet people. And I just thought that was the funnest thing. And I'm well known in my family for being a yard sailor, but not on the buying side, on the selling side. I love to sell things to people. And so whenever our family members or friends have a yard sale, they always invite me to come to sell my stuff. Really, they just want me to come to help them sell their things. And I think that all generated from being in the Navy and always being mistaken for a nurse or a flight attendant and people just asking me questions all the time. And I always find that to be a lot of fun. There is a challenge in, I think, most aspects of business that you don't want to fall into the habit of telling a customer what they want to hear. You want to make sure that you hear what they need. And I think your experience and just how much you enjoy finding answers and answering questions, that motto seems to fit your business approach to every project you work on. It does. And I have the interesting role of kind of sitting in the middle. Um, so I have uh, business partners that supply services to us. So I'm essentially their customer. And then I supply services to our customers. And so there are many times that I know our business partners have to come to me and tell me something I don't necessarily want to hear, like the parts are delayed or someone's on vacation. So I can't get you the quote until Monday when they return. Um, and that's not necessarily what I want to hear, but it's what I need to hear. And the fact that they're communicating that with me proactively makes all of the difference where I'm not having to go to them to ask the questions. I try to turn that to our customers, communicate with them proactively, even if I'm telling them what they don't necessarily want to hear. I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to make that repair today because emergencies have you know, come up and our technicians are all busy somewhere else, or your parts are going to be late. It's going to be another week because they're backordered. But if I'm communicating clearly and consistently and frequently and keeping them updated, that goes a lot better for the overall business relationship rather than letting them get angry because they have not heard from us and they don't know what's going on. So I always try to remember that 
I, I am a customer and I have customers and I try to make sure that I treat my customers in the way I want to be treated as a customer, which isn't always getting my way. It's just knowing what's going on and being prepared and being able to have the information I need to make sound decisions. Is that sort of tone something that affects the perception of what we would say is quote unquote good service? Yes, I definitely believe so. Um, Getting good service is not always the customer's always right sort of philosophy. Good service is when you feel like somebody cares about what's going on. And I often believe that sometimes you you make your biggest advocates when you take a situation that was going sideways and you make it right for them. They will tell so many people about that. They will tell more people about the near disaster that somebody stepped up and made right for them, then they will the process that was smooth and flawless because they don't remember that part, but they do remember when something almost went bad or did go bad, but somebody cared enough to make it right for them. And they will tell that story over and over. A little while ago, I used the phrase service industry. I don't think that's a super accurate phrase. Does, does that inaccuracy bother you? Service is everywhere. Service is industry agnostic. Anytime there is business being done, there is service being given. Um, You have customer service at your local Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, and you have customer service all the way up to when you buy a million-dollar home. Those are very different industries, and the service is not separate from the industry in which it is in. Chick-fil-A is one of my favorite examples. You go to any Chick-fil-A anywhere, the line is wrapped around the building. Do they have a, a chicken sandwich that is great? Yeah, they absolutely do. But not that alone doesn't justify the busyness of your local Chick-fil-A. I believe it's the fact that their employees are always so pleasant. They make the experience one that you enjoy. Many other places you go, it almost feels like the people that you're trying to give money to are doing you a favor by giving you a burger and french fries. At Chick-fil-A, they seem to really appreciate the fact that you have chosen them to do business with, and it shows from top to bottom in their organization. And I believe something that simple truly is that powerful. Well, I know that from all of my interactions with everyone that I've talked to at Service Logic, you all have the same goal and you all really approach it regardless of which division you work in. You all approach service the same way, just the way you described it. It is an emotional relationship that you're building with your customers. And it's very funny for a company that sells something, you really focus not so much on the sales part. You really focus an awful lot on what happens after the sale, which I think is kind of cool. So it has been my pleasure today to get to communicate with Elizabeth. Elizabeth Barber, the service manager for Service Logic Strategic Services. Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really have enjoyed this. I hope I get a chance to talk to you again soon. Well, I hope so too. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you.